Bits. A brief podcast before the MA and Tech Conference in Berlin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Tech Law Bits, a podcast in preparation of the sixth edition of the International Bar Association's M&A in the Tech Sector Conference to be held in Berlin on March 23rd and 24th. My name is Martin Schoenbacher. I'm a tech and data lawyer at Herting here in Berlin, and I cannot wait to greet everyone here in my hometown. Two great colleagues are here with me already today. I have the IBA all-rounder, I should say, for many years. Lieselotte Jarel from Copenhagen, Denmark. Very glad to have you here, Lieselotte. Thank you so much, Martin. I'm very pleased to be here on the very first podcast series, as I know it, in the IBA world. Congratulations on that. All right. We'll see how far that goes. And and um, with us today also is Ariela Dreyfus from Tel Aviv, Israel. Hello, Ariela. Hi. Lovely to join you. Thank you for inviting us. Um, your topic at the conference and in our brief conversation we're having now um, will be earnouts. And before we get into this, um, can I ask you to quickly introduce um, yourself to the few, Lisa Lotto, that uh, don't know you yet? Thanks so much, Martin. I, I think that's taking the mouth a bit full. Uh, my name is Lisa Lotte I'm an M&A partner at the Danish law firm Horten, based in Copenhagen, Denmark. And Ariella? Hi, I'm Ariella Dreyfus. I'm originally from London, but I now live in Tel Aviv, Israel, and I'm a partner in the international M&A department at Barnea Jaffe Lande. Um, great. Um, uh, nine o'clock on Thursday, and even worse, 9.30 on Friday, we will again have roundtable discussions, on, um, and the two of you will be moderating one of the tables um, together with uh, Richard Burroughs of McFarlane's in London. And as mentioned, your topic will be earnouts. Um, I I don't know much about this topic. Um, maybe Lise Lotte, you can kick this off by explaining me and and maybe some others what earnouts are all about. Happy to. Earnouts is an integral part of of M and A, not just M and A in tech, but M and A in general, because it's basically a, a, a part. Uh, sometimes it's a large part of the purchase price that is paid or due to be paid in the future contingent on the satisfaction of agreed milestones. It's a very useful tool uh, for bridging the opinions of valuations, which classical is that the seller wants a higher valuation and the uh, buyer wants a lower one. Um, and should the seller insist that the company is actually worth more than the buyer is offering, then uh, Earnout works very well to uh, bridge that those positions by uh, setting targets uh, and then uh, reaching upon reaching set targets, you will then release the additional purchase price from the buyer to the seller. It is particularly uh, useful in the current M&A market where there's uncertainty related to the valuation. Absolutely. And, and that uh, does sound plausible to me even. Um, and, and obviously we see this in Germany um, as well. So when it comes to drafting the agreements around earnouts, Ariella, maybe um, how, what, what aspects would you take into account when you draft a provision um, on the seller's behalf? 
So this is the moment that the lawyers get to show their value and shine by uh, negotiating terms that increase um, the likelihood of hitting a a milestone um, for the seller or decreasing the likelihood if you're representing the purchaser. So if you're representing the sellers, you'll want to draft very clear objective milestones with realistic earnout periods. You'll want to create an environment where the sellers can reach those uh, targets. And you'll want to push for frequent milestones and payments of the earnout um, for annual or quarterly payouts, rather than a bullet all or nothing payment at the end of the earnout period, which creates too much pressure. Um, You'll also want to ensure that sellers have some control over the management and operation of the target company uh, during that earnout period. They'll have the human resources, they'll have the uh, budget to enable them to actually hit the milestones because essentially the company now belongs to the purchaser. So they need to have some control, um, certain information rights. Uh, you'll also want to add an acceleration mechanism so that if the buyer fires key employees that are integral to meeting those milestones, or if the company goes public, or there is a secondary exit, um, that the earnout payments are brought forward and the sellers still get to benefit from them. And if you can, you'll want to get some security that these payments will be made, either in the form of an escrow uh, of the earnout amount, or perhaps a parent company guarantee. And this would be particularly important if the buyer itself is is just a shell company. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that was like, I don't know, 15 uh, pieces I heard that, that we have. <laughs> and, and it sounds like it's an agreement in the agreement itself. And, and, and probably um, hours and days uh, can be spent on just uh, negotiating this part. And, it, and obviously from the seller, especially the um, the management's perspective that uh, it, it, it seems especially evident that they need to still be able to, to actually control how to reach these goals. Um, that That is what I uh, got and what I have seen in the past has gone wrong by, you know, discussions later on, well, yes, we didn't meet the target, but it was my fault. Um, uh, so. Right. They say it's the the argument is you're just postponing the uh, discussion to later or to the litigators. Yeah. Well, they they're happy then. Um, Lise Lotte, I, I think you you, could, you may well take the stance of uh, of a potential buyer and what from their perspective would would be needed to know or to uh, take in, into account when drafting a provision um, on earnouts for them. Well, basically, I could say all the opposite of what Ariela had just said, <laughs> because that's the fact. I mean, the <laughs> basically, representing the buyer who's not in agreement with the seller on, on the valuation. So you want to create as much certainty for the valuation before you are actually uh, doomed to pay up. Um, and, and, and the way you do that is that you make sure that you get control over the assets for a small as possible uh, initial purchase price. Then you make a, a, an earnout uh, where you try to create it as a bullet uh, payment at the end. So basically you can, over the period that you have agreed, and I would say a three years period is, is what we normally see, um, you will make sure that all ups and downs are factored in. 
seen from a biased perspective. However, uh, you have the control over the assets. You have control on how they are being managed and integrated into your uh, existing business. And you also want to have control on the mindset of the sellers or the seller's management team. You want to make sure that they're not focused on their earnout. They're focused on the, the better results for the, the company EI, uh, which might have been become the division uh, of, of your, the buyer's uh, company. But I would say um, the, the most important thing is, of course, not that you have to pay up. Because if you are to pay up, it's because the company has become a success. But to making sure that you only pay up if the results are in fact there. And then, as Ariella was also saying, I would mirror that and say, well, you can also use it as a, a, an escrow, a kind of security for your payment in the sense that even if you have paid up a relatively small purchase price, you will use that. Uh, to set off the earnout, I mean, uh, to set off uh, should you have any claims or, or, or things you wish to raise against the sellers. Um, yeah, very much mirrored what Ariella said, and I and I and I uh, want to kind of have a look, be the third person in the room when the two of you negotiate this earnout clause. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one, but one thing that that I, that I took from this that seems to be in the interest of both parties would be to align the targets to receive the earnout as uh, with the shareholder value of the new shareholders cuz cuz uh, if that diverges then you have then then management old management will well maybe focus on the wrong things that is what you just said Lisa about this far as I understand um one thing i ask uh, all the moderators uh, that with their specific topics um Where's the? Do you see uh, like like specialities in earnout negotiations in technology deals? Um, is there anything that is much different or or slightly different even from other deals, um, Ariella? Yes, I think that earnouts are particularly useful in tech deals um, because often the startup has yet to prove their business case. They haven't entered a particular market um, or for a medical tech company, they've not received their requisite approval, such as FDA approval. Um, so it's it helps the buyer um, in its uh, risk management and making sure it's not overpaying for the company. It will only pay the amount when the company's proved itself. Um, it's also a very useful tool for retention of founders and management because if you want to keep the founders on and uh, keep them motivated, then you just have to dangle some money <laughs> in front of their noses. And if I may add here, it's it's because we we talk about upside earnouts, but we also sometimes talk about exit earnouts. And in tech companies, you often have various generations of a tech company's life. And if the the ultimate uh, stage of the tech company is, for instance, a, 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 a listing, then it's fantastic to have an earnout because you're absolutely sure as a seller that you get part of a the cake uh, when that exit has has uh, taken place. Yes, um, very well, and uh, um, I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm so sad. I cannot, I will not be able to join your table because I have a table myself uh, that I can't <laughs> from. Um, 
But maybe to summarize and and ask you, um, why would people uh, join your table if they're not convinced yet? I think that drafting earnout clauses skillfully has a huge financial impact for your client. So you want to get this right. So come and uh, get some tips and share some tips. Uh, remember that no client likes to leave money on the table. So this is an important one. And we take that literally. We will make sure that they are not just treats in the intellectual and legal space, but there might also be other treats by joining our table. So we truly look forward to see you all in Berlin. Or maybe I will come to your table then. <laughs> Have a look at the treats. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, Ariella and Lisa Lotte for, for joining me um, today. Um, looking forward to seeing you in only a few days uh, in, well, sunny Berlin, I hope. Uh, right now it's not looking like it, but who knows? It's March. Anything can happen. Um, um, more information um, on the conference and on my uh, wonderful guests can be found, as always, in the show notes. If you have listened until now, you may as well subscribe to the podcast so you are automatically informed on new editions. Um, if not, talk to me next week. Thank you very much um, and uh, see you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bits. Bits.